I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Good morning, church. It's good to be back with you. I want to give a special shout out of thanks to Shana for preaching last week, and most especially to Ed for covering so many services solo. <laughs> so I know, I know that I have spoken to you all before about the sacred red rock of the Kaw Nation in Juje Wahobe. In Juje Wahobe is a gigantic 28 ton red Suin quartzite boulder that was created during the last ice age 600,000 to a million years ago. Since that time, he lay at the confluence of the Shungananga Creek and Kansas River in the state of Kansas. In 1853, the Kaw people began to be relocated by the United States government, forced out of their native homelands. In 1873, they were removed entirely from Kansas, the state which still bears their name, Kanza. Later in 1929, Njuje Wahobe himself was moved away from the rivers to Robinson Park in Lawrence, Kansas. There he was repositioned vertically. Remember, when he was by the rivers, he was lying down. And installed as a monument to the early white settlers in Lawrence. This was done as part of the celebration of the, third, of the 75th anniversary of the founding of the city. The white people even placed a plaque on him that stated, to the pioneers of Kansas who in devotion to human freedom came into a wilderness, suffered hardships, and faced dangers and death to found this state in righteousness. Oh my. In the words of my friend Charlie Huffman, an enrolled member of the Kaw Nation, imagine you have awakened to find that your place of worship, your most favorite special place, is gone. Someone has taken it as a trophy. How would you feel? Recently, due to the hard work over many years by people of the Kaw Nation, Njuje Wahobe is being moved back to Kaw lands, this time in Council Grove, Kansas. During the past few months, the plaque has been removed and he has been lifted off the white people's monument base and carefully placed on a truck for transport. 
Charlie has been there for these events and has been sending me photos of the process. It is a joy to see them. So I ask you to please pray for traveling mercies for this sacred ancestor of the Kaw people as he returns home. I'm telling you this story this morning because for me, seeing those photos of Injuje Wahobe on the truck going home, it was impossible to miss the connection between these events and today's gospel portion. Matthew's text speaks so eloquently of the process we should use for justice-seeking and reconciliation, and of how that process happens in community, and how its unfolding involves both binding and loosing. What does it mean to bind or loose things? Is it a binary choice? Is one good and the other one bad? Should we focus and strive for one and not the other? Well, in typical Episcopal fashion, I'm going to tell you that it's all of these things and none of them. Jesus never makes things easy for us, does he? With him, it's always about the process. It's about holding things in tension and asking God to help us through, relying on God to guide us to make a way out of no way. One could say that Njuje Wahobe was loosed during the rough-and-tumble movement that happened as the ice melted and changed the face of land and rivers and rocks and, and plants at the end of the Ice Age, and that he was both bound and loosed at the confluence of the rivers. Bound because at 28 tons, he wasn't going anywhere unless some seismic event happened. And loosed because he was free to sing to the Kaw people who sang to him and with him in ceremonies for countless years. Then he was later bound by white people who stole him from the Kaw, put a plaque on him to celebrate themselves, and held him hostage. And now he's been simultaneously loosed from his captivity and also tenderly bound for transport back to Kaw ancestral lands. So you see why binding and loosing, it's really both and. We know that binding is important to Jesus because he's so often telling us to seek to remain in community, that God's presence is assuredly with us when we do things with each other, that our responsibility is to and for each other, not just for ourselves. That we are bound together whether we recognize it or not. And that what happens to one 
happens to all of us. Our passage today ends with that enduring reminder of God's fulsome presence in community. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Bishop Glasspool wrote about this in her Friday reflection this week. Our life together is the chief means God has chosen for being with us and is of ultimate importance to God. We also know that loosing is important to Jesus because he's constantly setting people free. Free from sickness, free from oppression, free from imperial systems that robs them of agency and helps only the few at the expense of the many. Jesus releases anyone and everyone who opens their heart to God. Remember, the very first words of his public ministry are from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. So Matthew's gospel outlines a process of truth-telling and justice-making that has to happen in community. Let's just note that the further along we go in the process, it becomes more and more important for it to be in plain sight, first with two or three witnesses, and then with the whole church. Why is that? Because true contrition includes the willingness to take ownership of one's own role in events. The method Jesus envisioned is not about hiding in private rooms and binding people to silence with non-disclosure agreements. It's not one where power is abused in order to short-circuit accountability and healing. We do well to note also that Jesus is very aware that some people will not be willing or able to take ownership of their wrongdoing. Indeed, all of us will not be willing or able at some points in our lives. So when Jesus said, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, he's not telling us to write them off entirely. Instead, he asks us to set appropriate boundaries for our safety until with God's help, something shifts in their hearts. Let's not forget that Matthew, the one who wrote this passage, was a tax collector himself. So he, of all people, would know about changing hearts. The Kaw Nation's many years of negotiating and speaking truth to the white people of Lawrence, Kansas, is an advanced level class in this very process of justice making and change. 
Their work was primarily done in the open, not in back rooms. As Charlie wrote, the importance of the big red rock to the Kanza people is well documented in articles, books, and by Ka citizens. In 2019 to 2021, the Interchange Grant Project, titled Between the Rock and a Hard Place, commenced the process of reimagining Robinson Park and Njuje Wahobe's role in it through community workshops and outreach to the city of Lawrence and Douglas County. In March 2021, this process culminated in the city and county formally apologizing to the Kaw Nation for defacing and appropriating Ijuje Wahobe and agreeing to his unconditional return to the Kaw people. Can we imagine the joy the Kaw Nation people are feeling as this process unfolds? What a celebration there will be when he is finally placed in his new home next spring. Beloveds, I know that the past many years have been exhausting and that we all long for life to calm down. And yet we still all have work to do. As Christians, we are called to face those things that are hard and work our way through them in community, to find the courage to take ownership of the things we have done and the things we have left undone, and also to find the courage to use our privilege to speak out about things done unto others on our behalf. I hope that hearing the story of the long journey of Njuje Wahobe gives you hope, just as his slow but steadily unfolding journey is giving the Kaw Nation hope. I hope also that your experience of being here in community at the Church of the Ascension reaffirms your desire to practice justice-making, truth-telling, and reconciliation. And I pray that in God's time, we all may be one in our church, in our nation, across the world, living and loving together in community. We are in this together, and we are never alone. Amen.